0: Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Gentlemen, how are you today?
2: Doing well, Eric. How are you? Doing very well, Eric.
1: Doing great. It's been uh, too long since we've spoken. I know that the last couple podcasts you guys did were on special needs planning, and they were fantastic. So anybody who hasn't heard that, maybe they're joining us for the very first time, you've got to go back and check out those podcasts. They, they You blew me away. It was great yeah, information, great
2: yeah. guest. Thank you so much for doing those. Yeah, it was right. a lot of fun. And Mike's outstanding. He's just a uh, just a colleague that just is a superstar in my world.
1: Yeah, and and Michael, I know today we're talking about some planning in 2020 specifically. This is very timely. But what kind of planning are you talking about today?
3: Yes, this is this is very timely. So the the topic we wanted to talk about today is really taking advantage of sort of where we are today in 2020 and utilizing it's more of an advanced estate planning strategy uh, that. It's typically used with any asset that you feel is going to grow or appreciate in the future, and it's it's involves a type of trust, an irrevocable trust called a defective, intentionally defective grantor trust. So we're going to talk a little bit today about how to utilize that trust in planning. Why, uh, right now, with where we are in the world, this trust is probably. Uh, Dad, I think you would maybe agree, probably the best time, at least in my career. The stars that are lined up. Yeah, that, that I've seen to use this strategy. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It might get a little bit technical. Um, we apologize ahead of time. But uh, this is a, a complex and technical strategy, but I hope we can communicate in a uh, an effective manner and uh, deliver
1: some value today. Well, for every listener, I, I hope you've gathered by now from the podcast you've, you've heard before this that... John and Michael, you're both very open to people giving you a call. So if you do get technical, if you're listening to this thinking, man, this, this sounds interesting, I just don't understand it fully, please reach out. We will give contact information at the end of the podcast so that you can do that. Michael, this is the most interesting name of a trust I've ever heard. I, I've never heard yeah. this before. Uh, did, can you say that one more time?
3: Sure. It's, it's called an Intentionally Defective Grantor Trust. The, the, the defective um, name, which is, I think, uh, by the way, a terrible uh, part of, the, of a name, because it sounds like it doesn't work. But yeah, that's, it's broken. <laughs> it right? actually can work very well. Okay. <laughs> but but that, uh, this type of trust is, and the reason why it's called a defective trust, it's an irrevocable trust. And normally, irrevocable trusts are their own uh, taxpayer. So similar to a corporation uh, or an individual that has their own uh, tax brackets and tax laws, trusts are normally the same, the same way this type of trust is it has certain language in it that allows it to be what is they term defective for income tax purposes so all that means is that the uh, grantor of the trust who is the person that creates the trust and the trust itself are really one and the same taxpayer so that allows the grantor of the family to transact business with the trust without paying any income taxes on those transactions and that'll come into play when we get into a little bit more detail on the strategy but that's that's where the term defective comes from.
2: Yeah by the way why it's complex just to throw in my thoughts is is because the tax code's complex. Mm-hmm. So all the things we've talked about in the past on these designs are designed through the tax code to make sure we take advantage of every step we can in the code to give benefit to the family from a legacy standpoint or transferring wealth generationally. So that that's the focus of this trust. All right.
3: Yeah, so let's, um, D- D- maybe you and I can both talk about sort of where we are today. And again, I think it's, this timing of this is very important and, and why this strategy can be maximized in today's day and age. But if we look at sort of where we are with COVID, so right now we're still in in, in the COVID world. We hope that, we're not in COVID world uh, very very soon but we are in covert world now and one of the things that we see from our families and from a lot of the business owners that many of our colleagues work with is that many industries are struggling right now they due to COVID, their revenues are down their valuations are down and while that seems like and it is a challenge and is not a positive challenge it actually for this strategy and estate planning does create additional opportunities and the reason for that is when we can look at this strategy having a lower valuation is actually a benefit so that is is reason number mm. one why timing is important and we could talk a little bit more about that as well but that maybe why don't you also touch on sort of where interest rates are today because i think that's an also an important component that makes this transaction uh, really, uh, really beneficial. Right, now. this
2: is one of the other stars that's lining up, and, and it's it's around the interest rate environment. If you look at what's occurred over the last probably 20 years, rates have, have come down substantially, and and they're probably the lowest right now that we've ever seen. So, so this strategy that we're talking about takes takes advantage of those low rates, along with the valuation discussion, and to add to Michael's valuation point. And I'll make an analogy, if your company's worth $10 million before, before COVID and because of lack of growth and because of the COVID, COVID it issue, it's now worth $5 million based on projections. To Michael's point, that's a good thing. And we could even discount it further, and we'll let Michael get into that in a second. You know, the discounted interest rates, the evaluation discounts, there's a third piece, which is the estate tax change. Now, if you understand the estate tax code on the tax side, there's a credit we all have, and if you remember from previous podcasts, that sits at roughly $23 million per family, husband and wife. Mm -hmm. That means they can take $23 million worth of assets and push them down to the next generation without that next generation paying any tax on that inheritance. What's changing in 2026 is there's a sunset provision in the code that says, It's now sitting at 23 million, probably around 24 million at that time. It's now going to go back to the original structure before the law in 2017 changed it. It's going to go back to 11 million. So there's a 11 million dollar credit that we want to take advantage of for other assets, not for this particular trust, but it's part of the equation where we look at how do we leverage moving assets either through gifting or sales of assets to these type of trusts. So I wanna make sure we, we cover that. It's just a perfect opportunity for anyone who has a asset that they think is gonna appreciate dramatically, to get that out of your estate today and get the trust. Because once it gets into that trust, and it's structured properly, You'll never have to pay any tax on any growth of those assets until perpetuity, if you so choose. So there's a lot of legacy discussion we have in this design. The families have to be focused on that. I want to create a legacy for my family and through the generations. If you're not really interested in that, then this this option might not be a very attractive or an attractive option to consider. Uh, but for people that have a legacy issue and, and want, to, want to pay less tax on those assets as they pass generationally, this is a great concept
3: yeah and you mentioned the that the credit the the lifetime gift and estate tax credit and that was really important to bring up dad because one of the hallmarks we call it of advanced estate planning is being able to use that exemption amount efficiently so the higher it is typically the easier it is obviously to get assets out of your state within that credit because if you gift assets above that credit under current law your children essentially if you were to pass away um, and leave them more than that credit they will pay 40 cents on every dollar above that that limit or that threshold so using that threshold becomes really really important which is why for certain businesses even though it's not a good thing that you know covid has maybe harmed your business and its growth the fact that you could if you valued the company today and it would be it would value in um, or come come in less than it otherwise would pre covid that actually could be a benefit because you're using less of that exemption. So it's it's somewhat counterintuitive in terms of why it's a benefit, but but that's the reason why. It's all about efficiently using that exemption um, as, as best you can. So that's why it's important from a timing standpoint because, again, we have that this higher exemption for the next five years if nothing changes in the law, which brings up the elections in 2020 because that's another issue that could – affect the, the um, efficacy of this strategy because, uh, you know, not to be political, but if Biden b- gets elected, if you look at his tax proposals, th- it's one of the, the highest, I think, or greatest tax raises that I think almost maybe any president has, has had. I think it's, it doubles what Hillary Clinton was proposing from a tax raise uh, just four years ago. So that, that could have a really big impact on your ability to use this strategy. Depending on on whether he gets elected and what he's able to to put in put in place tax wise.
2: Yeah, I want to back up on on. I, I know the listeners are probably saying, "Well, you know, I'm not that rich, and I don't have those kind of assets to worry about the tax." And you're, and you're probably right. This trust strategy, you don't have to be real rich to do this. This is a this is a strategy that you could put really anything in that you can sell anything in this trust. It could be a piece of real estate it could be a small business it's just really understanding that you can really move assets generationally uh, and take advantage of the tax code and protect those assets as well for the family to never be taxed because what people miss a lot in planning they look at an asset today and it's worth a million dollars well if you invest it properly and 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 you and you grow that asset asset tax efficiently that million dollars will probably be worth $20 million in 40 years. So the growth of, of these assets are critical in these trusts. Uh, and so that benefit saves all those expo- tax exposures that Michael just talked about. Right, so let's maybe get into
3: sort, sort of with that groundwork or that uh, foundation in place. Maybe let's, let's talk about the actual transaction itself. So we talked about having this lower valuation potentially depending on, you know, on your business and uh, in its industry so how this transaction works is you would have the the business valued now one step you can also incorporate here is the creation of voting and non-voting shares in your business it's called the stock recapitalization this uh, it, again getting a little technical but what this does is actually fur it gives you the ability to further discount the company value by creating non-voting shares and under the tax laws non-voting shares are not worth as much as a voting share. And the reason is because you cannot control the, the company w- when you own that non-voting share. So it actually gives you the ability to discount the value some, even further, sometimes up to 25 or 35% additional discounting on the, the otherwise lower valuation of the company if you did that today. So that's another step that you can do. Once that gets done, the transaction now becomes selling those non-voting shares to this Intentionally defective trust that we started this podcast with. Okay, so in order to do that, you have to create a or have to get a valuation from a qualified appraisal or appraiser, and then once you get that appraiser, that sale transaction occurs, and that's in structure how that would how that transaction
2: works. I hope everybody followed that there. Yeah, it sounds a little complicated. (laughs) A little bit complicated. yeah. Yeah, it is. And 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 once you get that that transfer or that sale to occur, you have to, before you do that, you have to seed it with about ten percent of assets. and Michael, you could explain from yes, a tax standpoint yeah. that's a, that's a that's a great
3: point. so the other component of this transaction, again, to give it economic substance is that the trust has to have some assets in it prior to this transaction, the sale transaction occurring and and the logic is that if you were to sell your business to a third party, you're very likely not going to sell that asset to uh, a buyer that has no assets or no ability to pay you other than in a promissory note, which is part of this transaction is this, the, the business is sold in return for a promissory note. So again, the concept is you're not going to do that sale with a third party to somebody that doesn't have any assets. So in order to give it economic substance, the trust has to have some assets seated in that trust prior to the transaction occurring. And custom has developed over the years that 10% of the ultimate purchase price has to be in the trust to serve as a down payment. So that's what you were talking about first. Now that is typically done via a gift. There's some other ways that some attorneys that we work with have. Uh, given that transaction economic substance, but you have to have that put in place first. So there are a lot of steps and complexity that comes along with this transaction, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to have this podcast uh, now before the the year gets too far along, because there are a lot of things that have to be done if you want to take advantage of this transaction before the end of the year. It's really important to have your legal teams on board, your accounting teams on board, any of your key advisors, it's really important to have them involved in this to make sure that the transaction is done uh, properly.
2: Now once the asset gets into the trust, a note gets created. Remember when you make a sale, you're, tra- you're selling an asset to an entity, you have a note back for that value. And that's where the interest rates come into play. Because when there's an interfamily transaction, which is what this is, the AFR rate, which is the federal rate that the government allows you to lend money to family members, is, it's the lowest I've ever seen it since I've been in this business. I believe the one three-year rate was 34 basis points, Michael? I
3: think it's, I think it's even. I think 14 October, basis points. I think it's 14. 14
2: yeah. basis points for October. Hmm. And the terminal loan, three to nine years, I think it's 34 38 basis, 38 basis yep. points in that range. And over nine years is 1.14 basis points, I mean, or, or percent. I'm sorry. So, so when you look at how low these rates are, that means you could you could do this transaction. And the whole idea is the more money you can keep in the trust, the better, because the trust is designed for that legacy. You don't want money coming back to the family and has to be taxed. You yeah. want increases you want
3: to, the estate tax exposure if yep. more money comes back out Correct. of the trust back to the business owner who's selling to the trust. So the fact that there's those lower interest rates is actually, again, a benefit to the family if the goal is to minimize
2: estate taxes going forward. So that's why we said earlier that all the stars are lined up for this transaction. So once that transaction occurs, the next the next step is, how do we unravel this, Michael? Is there a way that we talk about unraveling these trusts? Let's talk about, I know we talked about it in this in the past, but the benefits of this design is from a legacy standpoint has a lot of other themes to it. Why don't mm-hmm. you kind of review those? Well, the, the again, the goal of this
3: trust and this transaction is to lower the family's existing and projected estate tax, federal estate tax exposure. By the way, we, we're talking a lot about the federal estate tax. There are many states out there that have their own estate tax, and this transaction works very effectively uh, if you live in those states as well. So every state's law is different. So you do have to consult your legal advisors on, on you know, what your state's laws call for. But I did want to point that out. But again, the goal is to lower and, and minimize the family's estate taxes going forward. So how this transaction, I think we talked about before, is the business is sold to the trust in return for that promissory note. Now after that occurs, that promissory note that comes back to the business owner is still considered an asset of the family's estate. So when you talk about unraveling the the trust, for lack of a better term, really not unraveling the trust, but concluding the transaction is one of the goals typically of the family is to pay that promissory note off as quickly as they can. And the reason is because once that promissory note gets paid off, now it's no longer part of their estate. And the full value of that transaction or that business is inside of that intentionally defective grantor trust out of the family's estate tax as, as, as a gross estate really forever if if you so choose and that's really typically how a lot of uh, a lot of families structure it now an, another thing which you may be getting at that is and this is a common objection we hear from a lot of business owners is all right well i'm all about saving taxes but what happens to my access to these assets once they get in the trust and that's a big objection so That's really where the design of the trust becomes important. You can have a spouse as a beneficiary of this trust, or you could also have the business owner be the beneficiary of the trust, depending on the designs. That's a a very specialized version of this trust. But the the ultimate goal of this transaction is to lower the family's estate tax, but still maintain control and access to the business after it it, it ends up. Major conversation. So that's that is the that in general is the is the structure of this transaction that maybe we can because we have had a couple families this year that have gone through this, Probably more than a couple. I think we have three or four right now that are going through this transaction. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the benefits that they've seen, at least based on our projections and how effective this transaction could be you want to maybe talk a little bit about some some of those cases?
2: Yeah, there's actually two that we're working on currently, one that we're in the middle of, the one we just completed. The one we're working on, it's fascinating. We have a client that has some studios, some uh, gyms, um, have a lot of value because of the COVID virus. They're in California. They haven't even been open yet. So we're, we're able to ratchet down, or we're going to be able to ratchet down these values and make the sale to this to these trusts and when we did the math we had projected this client to have a tremendous tax liability down the road i can't remember the exact numbers but it was around 50 million
3: yes yeah so that's if he did nothing right was
2: before he met us and we didn't go to this trust structure it, he at age 80 if he lived that long and he grew his assets at a reasonable rate the tax exposure under current tax law would have been about 50 to 55 million in taxes when we showed him and incorporated the strategy, moving these studios in this particular structure, we projected that his tax only be at $7 million at age 80. Mm. So if you look at the magnitude of this design, It saved him probably 90% of his tax liability just by the structure. Still had some exposure at age 80, but but as you know, we do a lot of planning along the way with families. We could probably eliminate that tax uh, um, over time. But based on our projections, it saved him millions in taxes. So now this is a larger client, but this could happen even on a smaller client. You could really create a lot of momentum in these strategies for that tax savings. Plus it has asset protection he has access to it. There's, uh, we created a state bank with this concept. And I'm quite, I know we talked about this in the past, but this client really loved the idea of having this trust full of cash or money along the way. As kids are very young today, but as they get older, they can have access to this trust via borrowing money. Because as you as and I both know, a lot of the families that we, we talk to are always concerned about well, my kids are trust babies, mm-hmm. or you know they're spoiled already, or I want to limit their access. And there's always there's always reasons these conversations occur, but on the, on the brighter side, we could have all the best of all worlds with these trusts. And one of the ones that he liked was having this estate bank concept, where instead of distributions out of the trust, the children and along the way could borrow money against the trust and pay the trust back. In essence, they're paying themselves back. But you teach them the responsibility of money and having to pay back a loan instead of just saying, hey, mom and dad left me this trust, and I know I have a lot of money in there, I want it type of a thing. Yeah. So you could really, and Michael will tell you, you could draft these trusts to be very flexible, a lot of options involved to make sure this money's managed properly for the benefit of the heirs. And remember, we're going out generationally. It's not just to the second generation. This might be built for the third and fourth. It's hard to get clients to the fourth generation, beyond be honest with you, <laughs> But But they do talk about that as a strategy. But controlling things that long always has a kind of gray area. But if you set it up properly and allow more flexibility in these trusts, it makes it real palatable to a client. And they get to understand the dynamics of we've taken an asset, discounted the value, took advantage of saving all this tax, put it in this trust structure that i have access to through my lifetime and along the way if i pass away with my wife uh, it's set in place rules and regulations on how kids access this trust
3: yeah i think when and, and you just by going through that transaction dad and i know you've mentioned this i think we both have or, or in prior podcasts but the the we often term the estate tax as being a voluntary tax and it's not Correct. voluntary technically but you could see just this is one of those transactions where if you do it properly, you you can avoid the estate tax substantially, as, you, as we mm-hmm. just talked about with that particular family. So these are the types of, of tools and strategies that we uh, mean when we talk about the estate tax being voluntary. It's because you are allowed to do certain techniques to be able to avoid it. And this is just one of them. There's, there's a whole host of others. So that client that we mentioned, that's still, <laughs> we're still projecting a $7 million estate tax. That's not that's still a, a big number, right? And if he and his, his wife and the family wants to get that number down to zero, well, there are a whole host of other transactions and, and uh, planning tools that they can use to be able to get that value lower or down to zero if they choose.
2: Yeah, zero tax planning, we, I think we talked about in the past with some charitable structures. A client right. could take his $5 million estate, donated to a charity today, get a full deduction from an income tax standpoint, and live off that trust for his lifetime, both he and his wife and, and the kids maybe, depending on how you structure it. But upon the death of the last recipient of income, it goes to charity. So it's So the clients look at very unique ways to avoid the tax, and there's probably 16 to 17 versions of how to save tax. But unless you go through that process and discovery, and again, to Michael's point, this is one of the, one of the trusts we use for m- primarily business assets, because that's the largest asset. I think we just did a, a little bit of a study of our client base, and s- and our clients sixty percent of their assets are in privately held companies. Mm. That, that's a big chunk of assets for yeah. family. So that's a focus that we have. How do I get that asset that's growing substantially, control that growth and get it uh, under you know, in these trusts and get it you know, get out of the tax man's way.
3: Yeah, you mentioned charitable planning, Dad. One of the Earlier podcast that we did on um, Grantor Charitable Lead Annuity Trusts with Derek Myron from uh, Centura Wealth is one of another tool that families can utilize. If you haven't heard that podcast, uh, Derek did a, a phenomenal job as our guest, really explaining how that works. But you could pair these two trusts together and really do some, some pretty powerful estate planning um, just with those two. So if you haven't checked that one out, I would definitely, yeah, definitely and, do so. And just a
2: warning to, to the listeners I mean, these are as you as you prefaced in the beginning these are complex designs and one of the things we often see is when we present these ideas to some of the families we've had in the past a lot of the advisors are not qualified in a certain arena to deal with these type of designs not that they're not smart people this is a very unique process so make sure that if you're interested in this type of a concept make sure you have a good team of advisors around you that can make this happen because if you don't, it's going to be a challenge to do it right. Uh, and we have always we always shot, we always shot send a shot over the bow. Uh, again, remember, our, our goal as a, as a family CFO is to collaborate with all the clients' advisors to make sure everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. So we make sure that the right team's in place when we look at our families and we kind of guide everyone through these processes. Yeah, and,
3: and it is important to have a qualified team, that is, but that is a benefit of us being typically added to that team of advisors, because even if a listener out there maybe has an advisory team, but maybe their advisors haven't come across these strategies before, or haven't implemented them before, could be a really good resource for them to help coach them along, to help educate them, because uh, many of our families have, have gone through these, these transactions. And so again, we, we could just be a good resource for them. That's, our, that's one of our, another benefit of
2: our family CFO role. Absolutely. So as you can see when I, I guess we're coming to the close. Mm-hmm. When, when you when you look at all these strategies, and we talked about them in the past, lot a of, lot of options clients has. I always have that my favorite saying: "You don't know what you don't know." Mm-hmm. This is a perfect example. Until you understand you have this option, you don't know it exists. So so hopefully these podcasts gives you a little give you a little direction on there are solutions out there that can have huge impact on the family wealth transfer, even while you're still here. Tremendous opportunities for you to create a bucket of value while you're living, and then make sure that value is protected generationally. Absolutely. And as promised,
1: uh, let's give them contact information in case they want to follow-up conversation about this specific podcast.
3: Sure. You can always call our office. The main number is area code 856 988 zero zero or you could reach us uh, at our website which is www That's that C is in cat B is in boy F is in Frank G is in girl LLC.com
1: fantastic and I, I like the fact that you mentioned the client in california just as these podcasts are nationwide you guys work nationwide and so anybody listening to this that has questions they can go ahead and give you a call and and you're fully ready and equipped to assist them so i love that thank you guys so much pleasure thank you you bet and last thank you goes to the listening audience thank you for tuning in and listening to the truth about wealth podcast with john and michael Paris. if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below this way when john and michael come out with a new podcast it'll show up directly on your listening device This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
4: This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services Incorporated, a member of FINRA SIPC, investment advisory and financial planning services offered through American Portfolio Advisors Incorporated an sec registered investment advisor these opinions are subject to change at any time without notice any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing investments are not guaranteed involve risk and may result in a loss of principle past performance does not guarantee future results investments are not suitable for all types of investors.
0: Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.